Well, welcome all of you online to who are watching from whenever you're watching and wherever you're watching. Thanks for joining us. Uh, next weekend, we have our Christmas services Thursday night and Friday night, 5 and 7. So if you come at 6.30, perfect. You'll be on time for the 7 o'clock service that night. Um, but we have a bunch of these still. And so on your way out this week, uh, if you would, just go and grab those, take them with you, hand them off. Remember, they're not for your refrigerator. They're for somebody else's. So uh, pass them on to other people. Have some with you. Like when you go into a restaurant, pass them around. Um, I put some down there at the pizza oven tonight. So as people came up, you know, maybe weren't from the church, they would find out about that. So use that opportunity to get the word out the next uh, week. We got one more week and it's time for those Christmas services. Well, speaking of Christmas, uh, last week I told you probably it's, it's kind of a hard choice for me because I have three favorites, but my top pick for Christmas movies is Christmas Vacation and talked about how much I love that dysfunctional family last week. And, and I got to say, I think, I think my second place one is literally tied between two different ones, The Grinch and Elf. That's my second, you know, second place. Elf is right up there with the Grinch. I just, I can watch them multiple times. And it, it maybe, maybe you're the same way. It doesn't even have to be like around Christmas time. If it just comes on, you're just flipping through channels and it's on, you just like, you just start watching it and you start laughing right away because you already know the context. You've seen it a thousand times, right? Well, the way the Elf story unfolds is... Um, the Elf is played by Will Ferrell, if you didn't know. Let me just kind of get, get you up to speed in case you don't know this movie, right? Uh, he, he's in an orphanage as a little one, and uh, Santa comes to that orphanage and delivers, but, but he winds up in one of the bags, gets taken back to the North Pole accidentally, and then is raised by uh, Papa Elf, who's played by Bob Newhart. And, uh, you know, as he's growing up, he realizes he's probably not like everybody else. In fact, he's not an elf. He's a human, Right? And so Elf has this experience of realizing not only is he human, but he actually has like a real life dad somewhere, a real life mom or whatever. And so he goes on this search to find his dad in New York City. And so one of the things I love about the Elf movie is just this idea that he has that in order to spread, you know, this Christmas cheer, you do that by singing for Okay, let's try that again. To spread Christmas cheer, you sing loudly for all to hear, yeah. So those of you who've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about, right? So that's the premise, and he goes on and on and on. The problem is, when he gets to New York City, it's not anything like he thought, because he thought he was going to have the world's greatest dad, and he thinks the world's greatest cup of coffee is actually really good, and he thinks the, the gum on the bottom of the rail is actually for him to eat. It's like, you know, New York City is not, you know, the hap, hap, happiest place. Everybody's not cheerful. He's trying to cheer them up, and it just doesn't seem to be working. Now listen to this. I came across this by a guy named David Crabtree. He said this, not about the movie, just about Christmas. He said, Christmas Eve will find us lifting up our weary voice to sing joy to the world and the Lord has come. And then we'll rush off from the service to get one last gift or visit one last party and soon it's over. We save the bows, we burn the wrappings, we strip the tree and we labor over the New Year's resolutions. Too often we have missed the point. Listen to this. And we're like the man who goes to the coast but never sees the ocean. And it's possible, isn't it, that we can go through the entire Christmas season so busy, so hectic, with all the stuff that is Christmas to do, and we miss just that chance to see Jesus. And so I, I want to make sure that we're slowing down and able to do that, but it's, it's really more than just seeing Jesus. I really want to focus on the idea of our messy circumstances this week, and I, and I want to just kind of bring into those circumstances a word called joy. 
Now, in the first week of this series, my friend Roger talked about hope. And then last week, when we were talking about family and all that, we're, just, we're really kind of talking about cope, <laughs> coping. And then this week, though, I really want to talk about joy in the midst of all of it. Here's the thing. Christmas can so easily become more stressful than our normal, right? It can, it can be more chaotic, more hectic if we're not careful. And so all that stuff happens. And, and maybe the reason is because our circumstances are just crazy. And then everything's kind of like at a fever pitch and pace at this time. So we have physical circumstances. Maybe uh, we've got to go to, you know, his family for Christmas. Then we've got to go to her family for Christmas. Then we've got to go to the step family for Christmas, too. We've got to get them all in there. And it's all different places, all different cities, and all this stuff, right? We're just dragging the kids from one home to the next. And we're like, oh, we got it all done. It's like the circumstances sometimes don't even lend themselves for that, that joyful experience. And maybe, like, joy is, like, not the word you had in mind with one week to go, and you still got a list of things you still have to do and things you have to get, late night shopping, late night toy assembly. Like, my, my kids are past that stage, and I'm so glad, because sometimes you just assemble stuff at night, and then you have all kinds of parts, and you're like, you know, I don't even know what that's for, until they head down the hill on whatever that was, and something falls apart, and you're like, that's what that part was for, Right? Because I'm a guy and I never used the owner's manual or the, the how to put it together thing. I just went by sight. And most of the time, it almost worked, right? So we have circumstances that are kind of going crazy. Sometimes the, the circumstances aren't, um, you know, like physical things like schedule and stuff and toys and shopping. Sometimes it's, it's relational. You know, maybe, uh, maybe we're just reminded that this year, as we kind of begin to reflect, we get towards the end of the year, we begin to reflect, we, re- we realize we kind of got sideways with maybe a friend this year, and we're just not even communicating anymore. Maybe we had a, a problem at work, and there's just there's relationship issues that kind of just sit under the surface of us trying to have a joyful experience, but, but they're there. And maybe, maybe like many of us, you know, we've lost someone that we cared about. And so Christmas comes, and it's, it's hard. There's an empty seat. There's uh, all that kind of stuff, right? I mean, years and years ago, like 30 years ago, I got a call from a family in our church, and the husband had had a, had a heart attack and, and died in the, the garage, and it was Christmas Eve. And so I went over and sat with the wife, and they were an older couple, but all the family was coming to their house the next day. And I said the weirdest kind of experience of that whole thing besides just the grief itself was that there was presence for him. There were presents for him. There was presence from him. It was like the whole thing. It was like the next day he wasn't there, but there was reminders of him everywhere. And there will be for all of us who've lost someone like every Christmas. It's, it's just hard. Or maybe it's a financial kind of circumstance. Added to that, the financial stress of trying to make sure that your family has a good Christmas and all of that. I just read this statistic that kind of blew me away, but it said this, 20% of all Americans are still paying off last year's Christmas. That's, that's a lot of people still paying off last year's Christmas. And so we get to this year's Christmas and we're like, yeah, but we, we don't have everything we need for the kids or, or whatever it is. Or maybe we don't have everything we need to please you know, that side of the family or that side of the family. Whatever you know, those expectations are, there's, there's pressure and there's stress. And so joy is probably not the thing you're thinking about there. But I want to go back to part of the Christmas story this week and, and look at how joy shows up even when the circumstances aren't ideal. 
I'm going to begin reading in Matthew chapter 1. If you have your Bible, you can find Matthew chapter 1. Last week, we were, were working our way from 1 to 17. Actually, we only read verses 5 and 6. But we're looking at the genealogy leading up to this moment. And so Matthew then begins into the Christmas story in, in verse 18. Here it is. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to divorce her quietly. And most of you probably know that in that culture, while they weren't married yet, their engagement was like a legal binding thing. And so he's looking for a way to quietly dismiss this whole thing. Uh, he doesn't want to embarrass her. And in fact, by law, he could have pointed it out and said, you know, she could have been stoned to death. It's like, no, he's a righteous man. He cared about her. He loved her. Verse 20, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, Joseph, son of David. The angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message to the prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. You want to talk about some messy circumstances? Can, can we even try to put ourselves in Mary's shoes for a moment? Mary's sandals, whatever you want to say there, right? How, how do we put ourselves in that situation? Maybe a young teenage girl, she is visited by this angel and explains the whole thing. And in fact, in Luke chapter one, we have the record of that. And she's just like, well, how, how could this happen? Because I'm a virgin and the angel explains the whole thing. And I love Mary's response. She goes, may it be to me as you said. Like, no wonder God chose her. That kind of faith, that kind of obedience to his mission. And I love her response. But I got to say, I love Joseph's response just as much in the midst of it. Now, we could spend more time on this, and I'm not, but we could spend more time on this. Like, when Mary first told Joseph, do you think he was buying it? Yeah, like, uh, you know, um, maybe I could divorce her quietly. That gives me the answer that I need for that question. He wasn't buying it. It didn't make any sense. It wasn't, it wasn't consistent with her character, her righteousness, her faithfulness that he knew. But there it is. She's pregnant, right? Talk about messy circumstances. Think, think even beyond that. Even though Joseph listens to the angel and then he does exactly what the angel says, so he responds with, with faithfulness and obedience too. I, I love both of their responses in this. But both of them had to know that nobody else in town was going to be visited by an angel to get the explanation. Was anybody else really in town ever going to believe this story? They had to know how messy it was going to be, how difficult it was going to be. The criticism, the cynicism, the whispers behind their backs. Like I said, we could spend a lot of time on that, but just know that it was, it was messy. If you've ever seen the movie The Nativity, I think they do a really good job of showing something of the character and the righteousness of Joseph. Because we don't have much in the Bible about him except for a couple of verses like this. And I think they do a really good job of it. If you haven't seen that, it's worth seeing. 
But this is what I want to do this week. I want to take this story in Matthew chapter 1, and I want to just pull out two big things, okay? Here's the first one. Life doesn't have to be perfect to be joyful. Life doesn't have to be perfect to be joyful. Let me, let me tell you something. Buddy, the elf, didn't have the perfect life. Even when he was back with the elves, like people were whispering behind his back, you know, he is like 6'4", and they're all little, you know. It's like they, they knew something was up, and they're like even questioning, how does he not, you know, figure this out, right? And so they're, t- it's like, and, and when he was talk to somebody, like they, they didn't always understand him. He goes to New York, and it's not what he thought it was going to be, and people misunderstanding there. His, his own dad is like, I don't even know what this, this guy is cray-cray, right? So he has this whole experience of trying to, trying to get into his dad's life, and yet his dad thinks he's just this crazy lunatic in an elf outfit, and he's six foot four, right? So nothing seems to make sense. Everybody's watching him. Nothing's perfect, and yet you can't wipe the smile off his face, right? That annoying, consistent smile that he has, and maybe it's because he has sugar and candy cane and candy and syrup, right? Maybe, maybe that's part of it, but it's like, no, this guy is just crazy, but he understands, I think, joy doesn't happen because of the circumstances. Joy is something that is happening here, and now we're going to explain that and, and why, but let me give you a couple of reasons why we seriously struggle with joy no matter the circumstances. One would be it's the bad that shouldn't happen. Sometimes our circumstances just literally are one bad thing after another that, that shouldn't happen. And sometimes if we're honest, we're like, that was on me. I brought that one on myself, you know. Other times, though, you're like, I I didn't do anything. And neither did they, but it's just we live in a broken world. Roger talked about that a little bit a couple weeks ago. He kind of gave an explanation like this, the natural stuff and then the sin, how it affects the world. So we have stuff that happens. We have bad stuff that happens. And when there's bad stuff happening, it's like it's hard to find the joy in that. But the other part of it is, is the missing part, and that is the good that's not happening. Maybe it's the good that we wanted to happen, the, the good that we dreamed about happening, the good that we planned on happening, the good that we prayed would happen, and it doesn't happen. And I think you look at these real-life truths that we have to face every day, and you realize if joy is really going to work, it has to work in the worst of times too, not just when things are perfect If joy is going to work, it has to work in an imperfect, often ugly world. It really does have to, if it's really going to be joy. And we've we've kind of discussed this before, but like happiness sometimes is is so connected to our circumstances. Like little kids on Christmas Day, you can just watch their face when they open a gift, happy because they got what they wanted, sad because it wasn't what they wanted, right? You, You watch happiness just go up and down throughout the morning, right? And then he takes my toy, and she did this, and then it's like happiness goes up and down, up and down. But joy somehow works, even in an imperfect world. It does. You know, and in the world that we have, we can choose to be um, discouraged. We don't even need to go around and have everybody just give us some things that could be discouraging. We, we've all got our list of stuff that even maybe happened today. We could be discouraged. Well, we could be cynical. 
with all that's going on and all the media stuff and all the polarization, you know, you probably have the, the, the kind of the thread of the whole thing that you listen to. And then you got maybe friends or maybe they're not friends anymore because they listen to this side of things. And so you just like you have all this. And so we just become so cynical, so jaded when we hear a news story about something just by the way they say it. We've kind of like made up our mind before they get into it just because of the, the way they phrase the title and we be, become so cynical so easily. We can become so, so angry when circumstances don't go our way. It's like some, some just burning under the surface. And then sometimes it comes out on the people that we love the most. And we didn't want that to happen, but that's where it happens because we just didn't know how to deal with our anger. We, we can choose to be discouraged. We can choose to be cynical. We can choose to be angry. Or we can choose to, to opt for joy. It really is a choice. It's available to us. And I want to give you a couple of pictures of this. So first one is in Philippians 4. In Philippians 4, I love this passage because it comes out of uh, th this context. The Apostle Paul's in prison, and he talks to this church about having joy. His prayer is not that he would get out of prison. His, his prayer is always, God, help me declare even more clearly the good news of Jesus even while I'm in prison. And if it wasn't for Paul's prison, we wouldn't even have half of our Bible, right? The New Testament, so much of that he wrote while he was in prison. But in Philippians chapter four, he says it this way. It's a really familiar passage. You probably know this part. He says, rejoice in the Lord always, not just when the circumstances are right, right? Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Ooh, a little Christmas connection. Did you catch that? Emmanuel means what? He's near. Let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. I think that's a key to joy. That even when these circumstances aren't good, I'm still thankful for this and this, this. That helps keep our balance. He says, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, joy, joy goes beyond. Check this out. Joy uh, transcends the, the external circumstances that we're just dealing with in our lives. It really is a choice that, that we make that really determines kind of the way that we're going to look at things, but it's even better than a choice. In Galatians chapter 5, there's a list of things we get called the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, and 23. Listen to this. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Here we go. Love. What's the second one? Joy. I'll read them all. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. By the way, I don't know if you ever caught this. This is not a to-do list. Did you know that? It's not a to-do list. You look at Galatians 5, 22, 23. This is a result list. It's not a to-do list. It's a result list. This is the result of a person who's walking with the Holy Spirit. This is what it looks like. Because it's the Holy Spirit who gives these things. And you say, well, I'm running a little low on love today. I'm just not feeling it. I, man, patience, God, I need that gift back real fast because, you know, Christmas and all this extra stuff. It's like, we, we could go through and we, we know which ones we're weak in and all of that, but these are gifts given to us. And the more time we spend with Jesus, the more time we spend with his spirit, the more these things are cultivated in our life. It's a gift from him. So we choose in this to have joy, but it's also God saying, I know you can't do it on your own. I'm actually going to give it to you. We don't earn this. We don't produce it. We receive it. And even when the challenge 
challenging circumstances hit, the Holy Spirit, if he's in control of our life, if we allow him to be in control of our life, then joy is part of that package. I like it. It's in um, Ephesians where he talks about don't be drunk with wine, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I, I love the connection. It doesn't seem like it's a natural connection. Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. He says, don't be out of control. Be under my control. And when we're under his control, love, joy, peace, patience, these are the things that we get as a part of that package deal he brings into our life. Now, let me make a prediction. I'm just going to go out on a limb here. I, I predict that within the next eight days, some of you are going to upset your family because you're trying to find joy and you're just going about it in a way that they don't like and you're going to uh, you're, you're just a little too happy today I haven't had my coffee yet quit being so joyful right you're going to annoy somebody just because even when we do choose joy not everybody's on board all at the same time so I'm just going to make a prediction somebody's going to probably make somebody else's life miserable just by being nice I know the elf made people miserable even though he's just trying to be nice right so I think I think that's probably going to happen somewhere. Let's go back to this messy circumstance of Christmas. Again, think about Mary. Mary, the mother of Jesus. We know from um, the culture, she was most likely a teenager, young girl. But probably in any culture, girls seem to dream about their wedding day. They have plans. I'm, I'm sure as she's thumbing through her her wedding magazines, I mean, parchments, scrolls, whatever they had, I don't know. I'm sure as she's planning these things, this wasn't the order things were supposed to happen. For a good, faithful, righteous Jewish girl, this was not the order things were supposed to happen. See, in her mind, it was like this. You ready? Mary and Joseph sitting in a tree. Sing it with me. K-I-S-S-I-N-G. First comes love, then comes marriage, then comes baby in the baby carriage. It's a biblical song. I don't care what you say, okay? It's got the order down pat. It's like first comes love, then comes marriage, then comes the baby, right? Like when, when our girls were little, we'd sing that song, and then we'd like, by the way, that's the way God, God wrote that song, you know, so I don't, I don't know if we ever quite said it like that, but that's the order. And for, for Mary, just think how like conflicting this was. What amazing news this angel gave her, and yet she's going to look everybody in town in the eye, and they're going to go, you got it out of the order. You know, in our culture today, it's, it's not as big of a deal in our culture to get the order a little out of whack. But back then, it was a big deal, huge deal. So in Luke chapter 1, I just want to jump over there for part of the Christmas story there. In Luke chapter 1, Mary is expressing something that I want you to see. So the angels explained how this is all going to happen. You read earlier in Luke 1. She spends time with Elizabeth, her cousin, who's going to be the mom of John the Baptist. And then she says this in verse 46 to 49. This is part of what she says. She said, Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Listen, holy is his name. 
Holy is his name. Everybody say that out loud. Holy is his name. Even when everything in my family may not be going like it should. Holy is his name. Even when my finances aren't where I wish they would be right now at Christmas time. Say it with me. Holy is his name. Even when my health isn't what it should be or what I want it to be, and I'm dealing with doctors and I'm dealing with tests, even with that's going on, holy is his name. It's like on and on, no matter how messy the circumstances, here's the thing. Holy is his name. That is a choice to continue to praise, to continue to worship, and that's a choice for joy. But here's the second thing I want you to get out of this. Joy comes from knowing Jesus. That's the bottom line. Joy comes from knowing Jesus. Now, our mission at Community, stepping in, building up, living out, all has to do with helping people connect to Jesus. Step into that relationship with Jesus, build up that relationship with Jesus, and live that out, that relationship with Jesus, live it out you know, 24-7 in our real life, right? That's our mission. So what I'm gonna do, and I'm gonna just take a break from our, our lesson for just a moment, and I'm gonna train you and get you ready for something. Okay, so you're all a part of this. You're all, by the way, on the way out, you're all gonna go to the clipboards and you're gonna sign up, all of you. All y'all. That's how they say it in the South. All y'all. So you're going to go out there and say, I would like to help with cafe. You know, I, I want to do this. In fact, we need more help on Friday night than Thursday night in some of these areas. So if you're flexible, like we need people to serve. So you could, you could come to the five o'clock service and then serve at the seven or vice versa. Or maybe some of you are flexible enough. You could come to one service and help at the other three. I don't know. But you're going to say, I'm going to, I'm going to help somewhere. Because our mission is to help people step into a relationship with Jesus. And here's the truth. More people were going to come next week who ordinarily never darken the door of a church. And so we want to meet them out there and greet them and let them know that we care about them. So security, parking, cafe, cookies, all that stuff. We, we need people in all those areas. But it's not just about being in the area at the spot and your team and all that kind of stuff. This is like an ongoing thing. Okay, so there's two things we've got to do. First one is I'm going to deputize all of you. So everybody raise your right hand. You've done, we've done this before. Raise your right hand. Repeat after me. I will be nice to people. Okay, you're ready. Uh, yeah, that's a big part of it right there, right? You, you are ready to greet somebody next to you. Now, you're saying, I'm just, I don't really like a lot of people at the same time. I'm more of an introvert. That's okay. You don't have to be a greeter, but you still have to be nice to people. Like when somebody sits next to you or they come in the row ahead of you and you're sitting here and they get, you're just like, don't mean mug them. You know, like, hey, I'm glad you're here, right? You might meet them and you find out they've actually been coming to the church longer than you. You don't know. But if you see them, you don't know. Just say, hey, how long have you been coming here? And if they say, it's our first time, then you know. If they say, I've been coming here since 1814, you know they're pretty old, right? So like, just, just ask, how long have you been coming here? Don't say, is this your first time? Because they might say, no, I, I started the church. No, nobody's here that started the church. But you get the idea, right? So all of us are going to be nice. But, but here's the idea. We are about ready to ramp this up. So since COVID happened, and since we kind of like had to change the way we did things for a long time, one of the things we felt like in the last few months is like what we want to get back to is some of the ways that we used to welcome our, our first-time guests. Now, one of the things we don't do is we don't put like a big, bright, lighted beanie on first guests so we can come in there and go, hey, there they are right there. No, we don't want to make, people like to blend in and just check things out, Right? But we want to give them an opportunity to let us know that they're here for the first time, and we're going to have a gift for them. We're going to start doing that again. In fact, we're going to start doing that again next week. 
And so if somebody's here for the very first time, we're going to have a place for them to go, and we have a gift for them. And so we're going to start doing that again. But we're also working on, remember when, before COVID, we had like paper things that we would hand out, and then we'd have that thing in the bottom, we'd tear off kind of a communication card, and people would fill that out, and they could just check right on their first time. And we knew they were here for the first time, and we could send them an email, we could send them a letter, we could let them know it was good to see it, whatever. And we've kind of like lost that ability because of trying not to have paper that everybody's touching. So we are in the process of working on an app that's going to allow us to do that. And when people walk in, they can just screen the code. There's the app right there. They don't have to kind of hunt and find it. It'll be really easy to get to. And then we'll have people helping them at the guest center too. But here's the thing. We need more people helping with this kind of stuff. This is not just something that two or three people can do out there. So when, when families come up, because we've had a lot of new families in the last few months, a lot of new families, like every week, something new is here. And so we need more people out there who do like people, right? And they're walking up, and when somebody comes up and says, hey, I've got like 17 little kids, and we're like, what's wrong with you? No, and I'm just like, no, that's great. And they say, where do we go? And we say, okay, just go down there. And no, just like, come with me. So when somebody takes somebody else, there's still other people out there able to greet people. You know, one person walks away, and that was the only greeter we had. We need more people doing this. We really do. Because our mission is to help people step into a relationship with Jesus. So here's the cool thing. Not January 1st. That's the first Saturday of January. January 8th, on a Saturday night at 530, we're going to have a dinner. And we're going to train anybody who wants to be trained in all this stuff. And it's not just about being a greeter. It's literally, if you help check in kids in the children's ministry, if you help in the cafe, if you do anything here on the, and you want to know more or you want to be a part of this somehow, we're going to have a special training and a dinner free. Just come. We're going to feed you. And it's going to be, it's, we're going to have some fun with it too. So that's going to January 8th at 530. You might want to get that on your calendar. Come and be a part of that with us. But we can't wait till January 8th for you to be nice to people next week, Right? So that's why I had to train you a little bit this week. So just be nice next week, but, but just kind of keep your eyes out. You know, by the way, well, there's a couple of ways you can just tell when somebody is new. And you could, you could guess, but you still don't want to say that out loud because if you're wrong, then it's kind of embarrassing for both of you. Just say, how long have you been coming here? But you watch somebody get out of the car, and this is what happens. They go, You know, it'd be easy to walk up and go, um, is this your first time? They'll be like, oh, yeah, how'd you know? But I still, I'm not going to say that the first time. Hey, I'm really glad you're here. How long have you been coming? Well, this is our first time. We don't, where's the bathroom? Um, we just went through Starbucks and, you know, that's what they're looking for. Did you know that? A lot of times when I meet people out there and they say, it's my first time, the first thing I do is say, by the way, the ladies' restroom's over there, the men's restroom's over there. And they're like, thank you, Right? Just simple things that people want to know. So all of us, all of us need to be working on that. Now, here's the cool thing. Some of you are going to sign up, and some of you are going to be greeters, and some of you are going to be on the host team. Some of you are going to help people get seated and, and all of that, and that's awesome. I'm glad you're going to do that. Some of you are like, man, I'm not sure I can commit to that. But when I'm here, this is the cool thing. When you're here, and hopefully you're here regularly, but when you're here, we need people to be nice to people who aren't greeters too. Did you know that? Sometimes that makes more of an impression. You know what I'm talking about? This guy has a badge out there, says, hi, I'm a greeter. You're like, of course he's got to be nice to me. And then some other guy comes up to you and just says, hey, how long have you been coming here? And you're like, there's no, there's no badge. This guy's just nice. What's, what's going on with this church? This, these people are weird. Where's the Kool-Aid? That's a reference to something that happened a long time ago. You don't need to know about that, right? 
Well, we're going to keep going, but I just want to make sure you guys know this. So January 8th, get on your calendar, 5.30. We're going to have dinner. We're going to have some fun, and we're going to train you on some, some cool new things we're going to be doing with all of this, uh, but we're going to really, really ramp this up because I think in the last few months we've been watching, God has been sending us new people left and right. We had um, a lady in our church that passed away, and uh, they, had, they had just a couple years ago had moved away. And so the husband said, no, I want to be here for all services just so I can see people that I know. And uh, he stood out there on uh, a Thursday night, and he knew me and Rick Hunter, the only people he knew on Thursday night. They'd only been gone two years. But this is right before COVID hit. And so all of you are coming in. He goes, I don't know those people. So he came Sunday at 9, and that's the service he usually went to, and, and he knew more people. He stood around at 1045 and watched all these people come in. He goes, I don't even know who these people are. I go, welcome to the club, man. New people all the time. So we just feel like we need to do a better job of making sure that we're able to capture some information, help people, connect people, show them what their next steps are. So there's some other things we're working on that we're going to announce at the dinner that I'm pretty excited about. But let's, let's get back to this. In the movie Elf, probably most people, I mean, there's several good scenes, but most people, one of the funniest scenes is when he's in... Gimbel's department store, and they announce that tomorrow Santa's going to be here. He's like, Santa! I didn't want to hurt your ears, right? He goes, I know him. I know him. Right? Santa, I know him. Now, everybody else in Gimbel's knows Santa, like the department store Santa, the guy that just puts the red suit on, the fake beard, smells like beef and cheese. Like everybody knows that Santa, and that's who they're expecting. No, he's expecting the real Santa, like because he knows the real I know him. Speaking of department store Santas, when, when our daughter Sam was like two, we went down to the Hemet Small. Some of you caught that. We went down to the Hemet Small and uh, went to see Santa. Just walk around and see stores and stuff. And Santa was there. And so we wanted to see if she wanted to get a picture with Santa. And she's just, she was like this anyway when she was two. Kind of like our granddaughter now. She just like looks at people. She's crazy at home, fun, all that stuff. But then she gets in a crowd, she's like. And she was, she's looking at this old, sweaty, weird-looking dude in a red suit. And we're like, do you want to get a picture with you? No. We're like, mm, that was a clear answer to our question right there. So we just avoided the whole Santa. You know, some of you had that controversy. Do we tell them about Santa? Do we not? For us, it was really easy. Because the next week, we were in our bank. And we knew all the tellers, and all the tellers knew Sam. And they would invite her around the back of the counter, and they would give her a cookie. And so that's, she was nice to them. All right? So she would go back there. And one of them said, is Santa coming to your house this week? And she looked at us like that, that old fart from the mall. I mean, it was just the look said it all. Like that guy, no, no, right? So she didn't want to know him. You know what I'm talking about? That Santa, not so much. And really, we're not talking about Santa here. We're talking about Jesus. Like, do you know him? Because when you know him, that, that's when the difference really begins to happen in our life. Like, like you're at work, and it's chaotic this time of year. I was talking to a, a guy who helps out in our middle school. He just got hired on the post office, and he's working like 70 hours a day right now. He's, it's just crazy. Like, 
So in the midst of the craziness, in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of when, when stuff's not going like it's supposed to at work, and yet you still somehow have this way about you of, of bringing joy into a situation, I, you do that enough, people are just going to go, dude, what's up? What's with you, right? And maybe that's your opening and you can just say, it's because I know him, not Santa. <laughs> it's because I know Jesus. And he's making that difference in your life. Here's the cool thing. In Romans chapter 10, verse 13, he tells us that this, this opportunity to know him is actually available to everybody. In fact, here's how it says it. Listen to this. Everyone. In fact, I want you to say this word with me out loud. Okay? Every, everybody say it. Everyone. One more time. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. This, this opportunity to know him is for Everyone. I don't know, maybe somebody here needed to hear that now. But I think there are going to be people coming next week who really need to hear that. I came across some stats. One was this. 91% of people in America will celebrate Christmas. Atheists, agnostics, they may not believe in Jesus at all. They're going to celebrate Christmas. And between 47 and 51% of people in America will go to a Christmas service. Let me help you, in case you're not good with math. That's just about one out of every two. So you look at your neighborhood. You just think, every other house. Somebody's going to go to a Christmas service somewhere. And, and one that Donnie mentioned last week when he was doing some announcements, he just said, you know, 85% of people, if they're asked to go to a Christmas service, will say yes in America. 85%, if you ask them, they'll say yes. So the odds are pretty good right now. You just start asking people. Somebody's going to say yes. You might, you might have three or four in a row that say, mm, it's not for me. Keep asking. Percentages say somebody's going to say yes. Just keep asking, keep asking, keep asking. You don't have to be rude about it, belligerent about it. Just keep finding people, inviting them, let them know that they too can know him. And it's a pretty cool thing. Let's pray. God, we want to thank you for uh, coming to this world, putting on flesh so that we could know you. It wasn't just uh, for that cross and that empty tomb, that, uh, that whole thing. I mean, that's, that's a huge part of your mission, but it was so that we could know you. If you've seen me, Jesus said, you've seen the Father. You wanted us to know you. You want us to know you, to have a relationship with you. So God, thank you for that privilege, for that invitation. And our prayer, God, is not only would we receive that, accept that, but that we could share it with every person we know. If, if the greatest news in the world is Jesus, how can we not tell somebody else this week again and again and again? So God, put people in our path that we need to invite. Give us grace respect, love as we do it, but help us invite people left and right because people need to know you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.